Good morning. Welcome to First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We're a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth, meaning, and beauty, and all are welcome here. I also want to give a warm welcome to my fellow worship leaders this morning from our local UU Allies for Racial Equity group. They are Julie Gillis, Phil Richardson, and in a correction to the program, Nicole Meitzern. Did I get that right? Meitzen. Messed it up again, sorry. (laughs) So glad you're here to help me with this this morning. Now, please, now, it is our tradition in Unitarian Universalism to believe that there is a spark of the divine within each of us, and it is in that spirit that I invite you to greet the holy among us by turning to your left and your right and saying, Good morning. It's our tradition in Unitarian Universalist churches to light a chalice to begin our service, so I invite you to join me in saying the words for lighting our chalice which are printed in your order of service. In the light of truth and the warmth of love, we gather to seek, to find, and to share. Before we have our call to worship this morning, I want to invite you to join me in a moment of silent reflection prayer and sending much love and compassion to those who were killed in the mass shooting at the gay bar in Orlando. We offer them and their families our greatest love, our greatest prayers. Good morning. Che Guevara once said, at the risk of sounding ridiculous, let me say that the true revolutionary is guided by a great feeling of love. Our call to worship this morning was written by Steve Ripper. It begins and ends with love. If there is one lesson, one key to being all you can be, and I don't mean being a soldier, I mean being a warrior, it's learning to love. But just what does that word love mean? It has become so fraught and loaded with double meanings and empty promises that many are justifiably cynical at the mere mention of love. I'm not talking sentimental love. I'm not talking hallmark love. I'm not talking love. I'm talking about a fierce love, a revolutionary love, a true love, a love beyond illusion, a love that is not afraid to freak you out with the truth, even when it hurts like hell. This big love is agape love. It's a universal love, and it is, I believe, infused in all of creation. We Unitarian Universalists are a pluralistic lot. We draw from all of the world's faith traditions. We have folks that find their spirituality in the mystery and wonder and awe they find in science or the magic of mathematics. We don't have any creed, any set of common beliefs that we all have to sign on to. So people ask us sometimes, well, then what holds you all together? Well, I think there's a lot. We have our principles and our values, and in this church especially, we have our mission. We love it so much that we put it on our wall and we say it together every Sunday. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. Our meditation reading is by Steve Ripper. When I asked Archbishop Desmond Tutu one of my favorite questions, What is the meaning of life? He replied, 
The God in whose image we are created is a God of love. We are the result of a divine loving. Ultimately, we're meant for love. We're meant as those who will communicate love and make this world more hospitable to love. You don't need to believe in God to feel the power of this truth. Somewhere deep inside us all is a bonfire of love that we are here to embody, to unleash, to liberate from captivity. Take a moment and send your awareness down to your heart and see if you can feel a little taste of this vast love which is hidden there, like a shining diamond, your diamond heart. Can you feel it burning within? Revolutionary love. We were challenged by Dr. King to find a revolutionary love that could defeat the hate of racism. The interracial love that Michael and I share is an example of such love. I don't know why I fell in love with Michael 36 years ago. I knew I was attracted to men of color, but the deck was definitely stacked against us. According to mid-1970s social norms and our respective parents, our age different was too great. Ageism, we were both men, homophobia, and especially we were of mixed race, racism. My mother pleaded, couldn't you please find someone less obviously controversial? <laughs> Thankfully, we stayed together, overcoming pressure from culture, family, friends. Our love prevailed. Right. In our 36 years together, we lived together, raised children together, shared intimate hopes and dreams together, practiced medicine together, vacationed together, grieved together when we lost friends to AIDS. Michael is my ally, friend, companion, and now legal husband after four wedding-like commitment ceremonies. <laughs> is Michael really black? Well, the short answer is yes. His skin color is a rich tan. That said, I see Michael more as a friend, lover, husband, and confidant who happens to have darker skin. Our revolutionary love transformed black Michael into Michael who happens to be black. Close proximity, frequent interaction, mutual trust and respect, elements of our revolutionary love, caused me to see Michael's character rather than his skin color. That was Dr. King's dream. This revolutionary love transformed us both to see each other as our true selves rather than what we looked like. A telling anecdote several years after Michael and I got together. 
we were at a large social gathering when, when Michael whispered in my ear, We're the only black people at this party. <laughs> it took a minute for Michael's Freudian slip to sink in. We had become to each other members of the same human race. The takeaway in this example is that our initial recognition of racial difference caused our relationship to begin. As love drew us closer, we each became less aware of our skin color, seeing more each other's true essence. This pathway of first acknowledging, then accepting racial difference, uh, followed by long-lasting mutual admiration, compassion, and trust, defeated the very meaning of racism. Roadblocks. Two major roadblocks to defeating racism are white privilege, and our unequal race-based justice system. Understanding these roadblocks has been one of the focuses of our White Allies study group. We've discovered that most white people, and myself included, are totally unaware of how we exercise white privilege, unless it's pointed out to us. In our allies group, we regularly share white privilege scenarios we've observed in both ourselves and others. Race-based inequality under the law has been publicized by the Black Lives Matter movement. Stop and frisk, the war on drugs, and our supposedly non-existent racial profiling all claim to be race-neutral but with implementation have become racist. Loving away racism. I believe that the pathway to a tranquil, diverse society must first uh, begin with awareness and acceptance of race and cultural differences. With purposeful proximity, genuine friendship, admiration, and trust, we can defeat racism. We need to learn to recognize and condemn white privilege wherever we find it. We need to be prepared to change ourselves whenever we discover that we are exercising white privilege. We must insist upon truly equal enforcement and justice under the law. And we all need to accept, respect, and follow our leaders who happen to be of color, especially our president. As Victor Hugo wrote, to love another person is to see the face of God. Through my experiences in the racial justice movement in Central Texas, I have seen that revolutionary love is a verb. The act of choosing every day to meet the world, each other, and our activism with an open heart 
and a consciousness of whether the impact of our actions is upholding white supremacist systems or dismantling them. Activist scholar and author Angela Davis said, walls turned sideways are bridges. The conscious choices inherent in revolutionary love are what turn the walls between us into bridges so we can embrace our shared humanity. Revolutionary love is the choice to show up for racial justice every day, even when it feels scary, hard, and overwhelming. It is a love that grows through our presence and our connection, putting our bodies on the line for our black brothers and sisters and declaring with them that black lives do matter. Racial justice activist Reverend Hannah Adair Bonner wrote, What's a solidarity that doesn't break? When you're tired, when you're scared, when your heart hurts, you're still there. Revolutionary love is recognizing that David Joseph, Giassi Hughes, and Sandra Bland are not their children, but our children. It is choosing to stand with the families of these young people and demanding justice, demanding a society where young black people will be safe, respected, and loved, not just at home, but when they are in the midst of one of their most vulnerable moments, when they are walking the halls of their school, and when they are driving down the road. A society where black people will see their inherent worth, dignity, beauty, and power reflected back at them by the people and institutions they encounter in daily life. Revolutionary love is the choice of white folks to explore white supremacy, its impact, and our part in perpetuating it whether we claim to be anti-racist or not. It is taking the time and effort to read articles, blogs, books, and to engage in tough conversations without expecting peoples of color to take on the burden of educating us. It is challenging racist comments, actions, and systems, and pushing through the discomfort of doing so. It is realizing our impact matters more than our good intentions, and apologizing, making amends, and doing better next time when we are confronted for racist remarks or behavior. It is also remembering to offer ourselves and others a bit of grace because unlearning a lifetime of socialization in a white supremacist culture is a daily challenge. We will make mistakes along the way, and these are the points where we learn and grow and develop the ability to engage with each other and the world in a way that supports racial justice rather than oppression. Revolutionary love is the choice to raise a race-conscious rather than a colorblind family. It is white families realizing that while discussing race and racism is challenging, black families have no choice but to talk with their children in order to prepare them to safely navigate a world that is designed to treat them less because of the color of their skin. It is white families teaching their kids that racism is systemic and that people have different life experiences and face striking inequalities because our society is shaped by the violence inherent in a white supremacist and racist system. It is demonstrating with our actions and our words that black lives matter and reminding our children that their actions and words can either support their black friends or endanger them physically, emotionally, or mentally. It is teaching our children that racism and slavery are not gone and there is a vast history excluded from textbooks, especially in Texas. It is taking the time to teach our children this history to put the injustices they and their peers will encounter in true context. It is living our lives and engaging with our families in a way that our youth know their voices matter and that they are capable of challenging racist systems and creating a more just and loving world and that they deserve nothing less. Racism dehumanizes us all, and the choice to love is what will reconnect and heal us. As social activist Bell Hook said, when we choose to love, we choose to move against fear, 
against alienation and separation. The choice to love is a choice to connect and to our find ourselves in each other. Now let us pause for a moment in our service to take a moment to breathe together, to enter a time of silent reflection, prayer, or meditation. And breathing together, we go to that deeper place inside. Breathing together, each of us individually touches that spark of the divine within us, that source of revolutionary love. Breathing together, let us enter a moment of sacred silence together, remembering that the sounds of small children and other sounds of our humanity count as silence in this church. Good morning. Looking back over my life, my activism has always had to do with the body. I started off as a staunch supporter of reproductive justice and LGBT rights. I became more intersectional as I grew older, workers' rights and ability rights and anti-racism work. It's often frustrating work, and it can feel hopeless at times, especially in a state like Texas. (laughs) But, yeah, (laughs) revolutionary love is a power that is vital to doing the work and for the people doing that work. I believe it's revolutionary to love the body. The body gets really complicated in our culture, from original sin to Pauline theology to dualism and other religious paths as well that aim to free the soul from its earthly form. The physical body gets a bad rap. And I can admit to feeling a lot of fear when I share some of the storytelling work that I do as, as passion and activism because it's about sexuality. Our culture is pretty shaming about sexuality, uh, about what bodies should and shouldn't do, but I do the work anyway. Uh, I often feel fear when I confront my own racism because I know it's poison. And I confront it in our larger cultural body as well, and I wonder how to heal any of it while I'm suffering from it and with it and being a cause of it. We may not always think about racism that way, but it is body-oriented, obviously. It's people centuries ago, Western people decided that black and brown bodies should serve white bodies. And if you think of the body as a mirror of God, did we create that or did we create a God in the mirror of that particular body as a dominant form? Christian, white, able-bodied, straight, male. Thus we had bodies that were superior and other bodies to serve them. We had bodies with uteruses serving those without, poor bodies being made to work for rich bodies, bodies to be sold or locked up in facilities for not being perfect. And we created laws and are still creating laws delineating who gets to pee where, who gets to decide when or if to stay pregnant, who gets to ride a bus, who gets to drink out of what water fountain. And as those disuniting decisions are being made by individuals, what happens next, of course, is that those isms solidify into institutions, not unlike our church body. And those reinforced personal beliefs and systemic beliefs create a toxic Mobius strip. So I think it's also very revolutionary to confront the body politic with love. 
I do this work because I have a body. And you've got a body. We all have a body. They're precious. And if our body as a church isn't in alignment with the bodies inside of its walls, we're going to have a hard time sustaining that mission statement that we have on the wall. To stay in communion and to community and complete that mission requires revolutionary love that our bodies need to be a part of. Can you imagine what it would look like to live in a world that loved the body? And I mean really loved it like like a parent loving a child or the lover loving the beloved, our body of the earth. We would never hurt each other. We would never hurt the world. We would never poison the water. We wouldn't sell each other or use each other like products based on things like gender or melanin. We would take delight in our differences. We take joy in different shades of skins, textures of hair, wrinkles, sizes, abilities, and celebrate different kinds of romantic unions. We'd honor choices, and we would share with each other food and resources, help lift each other up. We would look back at this time and be ashamed and heartbroken, confounded over the disunity. So we have to wake up to that revolutionary love and create real communion. Our larger human body is only as healthy as the individual ones in it. And the more we can heal and support the individual, the more impact on those institutions, which will lead back to creating cultural bodies that support individuals. So that's what nurtures me. This is a vision of of love, of reversing that Mobius strip into something healing, creating human systems that will take us to love and back again. So it starts with love, it ends with love, but we're all a part of it. I have a confession to make. Sometimes I get tired of being engaged in the ongoing struggle to dismantle systemic racism. I get tired of talking about it and hearing about it. And I get tired of being a male feminist. And I get tired of being an ally in the struggle against all those other oppressions that Julie just mentioned. And I grow weary of trying to save our planet from the ravages of global climate change. Hell, I even get tired of the struggle for LGBTQ equality. And I fall under at least one of those letters. Sometimes... Sometimes I just want to go to my house here in nice progressive Austin and turn the air conditioner down way too low and lay on the couch and turn off the television and Donald Trump for a moment. Thank you. But then, then I remember I have a certain privilege. I have the resources that allow me to live here in nice, progressive Austin. And it can be so easy for me to forget that if Wayne, my spouse, and I lived in any number of small towns or rural areas and we dared to show each other public affection, we would be putting ourselves at physical risk. So I think it's important that we talk about this, about how up against all of these struggles, we can slip into burnout, we can slip into despair, and that those of us who have some sort of privilege may be more likely to do so because we can. We have the privilege that we can just withdraw and that others of us that are in the struggle but face oppression ourselves sometimes may need to be able to say, you know what? I just can't go to that rally today. Someone else has to pick up this burden for a while. But what I think 
is most important about us talking and thinking about this is so that we can rediscover what it was that got us into the struggle in the first place. So I can reconnect with what will get me up off of that couch and back into the struggle again. And that's why I wanted to have these wonderful folks from our local Unitarian Universalist Allies for Racial Equity group come and tell you a little bit about what that looks like for them. And I want to share with you a story from my life about what revolutionary love looked like for me. Some of you may have heard this story before, but it's so powerful for me, I want to share it again. I was always very, very close with my maternal grandparents. They helped raise me after my parents divorced. Many years later, when Wayne joined our family, they welcomed him. They really kind of adopted him as if he was another one of their grandchildren. My mom, my grandmother called us her boys. And yet, we never spoke with them and they never with us about the true nature of our relationship. Many years later, after my grandfather died, my grandmother only lived another couple of years. Wayne and I were visiting her for what we knew would likely be one of the last times. She was in the hospital yet again with congestive heart failure. We had a lovely visit, and then we got up to leave, and she took us both by the hand, looked me straight in the eye, and said, take care of each other. With those four simple words, she gave voice to an important part and truth of our lives that had remained silent. It had remained silent even among four of us who loved each other very much because of the oppressive structures against LGBT persons in that place and in that time and that still go on in many places today. She created this transcendent moment where love filled that room and time seemed to stand still. And she set Wayne and I on a course toward transformation in many, many ways. Because one, we both realized that we could never again allow ourselves to fail to share such an important truth about our lives with people that we loved that much. And we began to think about and talk with one another about the ways in which we were and were not taking care of ourselves and each other. And that led eventually to moving to Austin, and that led eventually to walking in the doors of this church one day, and that has led to more forms of spiritual transformation for us both than I have time to go into this morning. When she said, take care of each other, that was revolutionary love. Revolutionary love breaks through barriers. Revolutionary love is transformative. It troubles the water. It stirs things up so that change becomes possible. Now, here's a conundrum, though. We need lots and lots and lots of that revolutionary love in order to begin to break down the systemic structures of racism and other forms of oppression that exist in our society. And yet, it is those very forms of oppressions themselves that so often keep us apart, keep us from reaching out to each other across differences and speaking our personal truths with one, one another, which is what creates revolutionary love to begin with. So, how do we get around this conundrum? How do we break through it? Well, I think my grandmother showed us she spoke the truth. 
I think these folks have told us how this morning when they talked about how they dove into relationships, they got involved in the white allies group, they got involved as allies to Black Lives Matter, and they did so knowing that they would mess up, knowing it would be messy, that they would make mistakes, that it would be awkward, that they would have to learn to follow rather than lead sometimes, that they would have to ask for help. Sometimes these, these are acts of revolutionary love. They may seem small in the moment, but as more and more of us engage in more and more of these acts of love, we begin to chip away at the foundations that hold up these structures of racism and other forms of oppression. And we begin to build a well, fill a reservoir of ever growing revolutionary love that becomes the new foundation where we can build new institutions that are better for us all. That's revolutionary love. That's what we're trying to create. And I think that's where we start. Depending on our identity, we go out into the gallery this morning and we sign up for the people of color group or the white allies group. We get involved with our inside amigos fighting for racial justice. We get involved in any number of the social justice and interfaith activities in this church. We get involved with our green sanctuary group. Small act of love, by small act of love, together we trouble the water and make change possible. Together we create that revolutionary love that will then hold all of our lives in its warm embrace. Amen. Please join me in saying our words for extinguishing the chalice, which are printed in your order of service. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold into our hearts until we are together again. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at www austinuu.org